This is the love of him. And I'm your host, Paul I have to talk about the best first. Now, the best would have been another goal, were it not for the scorer. It was scored on May the 3rd, 1986 at Love Street, so you can guess which one that is. But the absolute best I saw, just in terms of sheer ability, was Darius Jakonowski at Easter Road, December 1989. Now, Celtic were in a, a really um, pure period of form. Um, we have to admit that the the guy I was talking about earlier that scored the, what would have been my best goal, um, his signing for the other mob cast a massive shadow over us psychologically, every way you want to talk about it. Um, and so the kind of writing was on the wall. Probably the only team that were in a worse position than us was Hibs. So we went Easter Road in the usual frivolity. And what I saw take place just took my breath away. Chris Reid was in goals for Hibs that day. Uh, Andy Gorham was injured. And uh, he had taken a goal kick, which basically Darius Jakonowski, or Jackie as we called him, trapped on his knee, just on the edge of the centre circle in the Hibs end of the ground and volleyed it with his other foot right into the net. It was one of them where the crowd literally pauses for a second because they cannot believe what they've seen. And I couldn't believe what I'd seen. The worst aspect of it, it wasn't on TV. My good friend Jose, who's a Hibs fanatic, was at that game and always corroborates my story because he saw it as well. And in actual fact, seeing that game, which we ended up winning 3-0, Jackie scored a goal that was chopped off that day in the second half that was exactly the same as Marco Van Basten against the USSR in 1988 European Championships. I don't know what it was called off. Um, but that goal, just the sheer ability you know, to trap a ball on your knee and then hit it with your other foot right into the top corner just took my breath away. Okay, so favourite Celtic goals. This one is pretty easy and straightforward for me. I didn't have to do much thinking at all. Um, two goals. One was the best goal I've ever seen. It just so happens it was my team who scored it. Um, and the second one is more about the emotion of the goal being scored and what it meant. So the first one is uh, the third goal scored um, by Celtic against St Mirren, Love Street, 1986, 5-0. Um, the day we picked hearts to the most famous Albert Kidd day. Um, it was the third goal that day, um, scored by um, a person who... Um, uh, a couple of years later, um, played for uh, another club in Glasgow. Um, but anyway, um, just a superb goal. Um, I think the players that were involved in it, apart from the goal scorer himself, uh, I remember rightly, was Danny McGrain, um, Murdo McLeod, Paul McS. Roy Aitken, Brian McClare were the final pass, if I remember rightly. Um, but just an unbelievable goal, kind of one-two touch um, football before the, the ball hit the back in there. And I remember a couple of things with the goal first. I remember uh, Danny McGrain setting up um, with kind of a little flick uh, to the side. I can't remember who it was into. Um, but a typical Danny, you know, you'll ask me about this 
about that goal to this day and he'll tell you it was a fluke but if you watch over and over again it just wasn't a fluke at all it was absolutely brilliant football um, and that, that, that's the first thing I remember about, about that goal the second thing was actually the, the fans it was like each pass in that move got a louder roar every time and it was almost like the fans were either willing it in or they, they had a sense it was going to lead lead to something extra special um, and as I say by the time the ball got in the middle and then the ball had the back and the place was just going absolutely berserk and I remember being at the game and just thinking that's just that's just such a great goal and, and then ah uh, you know people talk about the Larson chip against Rangers and I mean, I don't know, I've watched it a few times, but that goal, that third goal at Love Street that day, I, I honestly, I must be like treble figures. I've watched that. Um, just, just, just such a, a wonderful football, um, a wonderful goal. Um, um, and, uh, you know, nothing, nothing, um, nothing comes close to that one for me. Um, and then in terms of um, the, the goal, I guess, kind of, was uh, kind of extra special em- emotional um, time was uh, Henry Larson versus both Easter semi-final UEFA Cup 2003 and and uh, if I think about the each pass and the, the roar getting louder and the excitement for the goal at Love Street it was almost like that and the games that we played in that run you know and then to get to the semi-final and you're getting more and more excited and then um, you know, I think 10, 15 minutes ago, whatever it was, um, you're on tender hooks. It's 1 1 from the first game. We're getting out and away goals, and it's the worst game of football you'll ever see. Or maybe that's an exaggeration, but certainly not one of the not one of the final games that I've, that I've seen. And, um, you know, the 1 2 with Hearts, and was it even a 1 2? I mean, I kind of don't know. One of their players got a touch of the ball, whatever. But anyway, I, you know, I had, that night I wasn't sure if I felt the goal was coming. I can't remember, but all I do know is the minute the ball hit the back of the net, just the elation, the emotion, and not long to go is that, oh, we are going to a UEFA Cup final, we're going to a European final. You know, been a Celtic fan for so many years and never even coming close. Been out these tournaments before Christmas, New Year, most years, and then then to get that far. And 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 I guess the big thing, the big thing for me and a bunch of my pals and, and family was that we had everything lined up. You know, the 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 tickets, the hotels, the the flights, everything was ready to go. And then when the ball hit the back of it, you're like. Oh my God, we are going, or we're just about to go. Final whistle when, and literally, we must have celebrated for about a minute and a half, two minutes. You know, you're watching the players dance in the park, and then the next thing is, we need to get through the room on that computer and click all those buttons to get us there. And sure enough, that's what happened. <laughs> Easy jet, bang, bang, bang. The hotel had lined up with already tickets for that point, and then they're able to. To, you know, you get the confirmations coming back in, you're going and back in the room, and it was just amazing. And again, that's another goal um, you'll watch over and over again. And, and listen to the commentary there, you know, I think uh, Peter Martin, um, kind of famous commentary in that one, and it's just, just, you know, hairs in the back of your neck, just reliving that moment. Um, yeah, that was the most special uh, goal I've witnessed as a Celtic fan. Fortunate enough to see many, many Celtic goals over the years. I think most of the best ones traditionally have been goals that I've seen on TV, so I'll skip over them because I'm sure other people will talk about them. Personally, well, most people remember me for the Tony Watt goal against Barcelona. I was got a magical night, and everybody knows of my reaction to that one. I think everybody had the same reaction that night. That was a phenomenal moment. Um, I mean, it was a well-taken goal, but I've probably seen better goals scored, just very few that have been scored in such a, a moment. Not long left against Barcelona, putting us two up. 
So as far as moments go, that's, that's right up there. Uh, some of the other ones I remember over the years. I mean, two names that spring to mind are uh, number 25 in the back. Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, he scored the free kick against Man United. I was actually there for both goals against Man United because I went down to Old Trafford that season as well and seen him score a free kick there, which was a cracking free kick, but they then bettered it at Celtic Park, which was just untouchable with the keeper. He then scored the, the goal at Rugby Park um, to, to clinch the league title in the, the last minute, which was another terrific free kick, and I was right behind the goal when he scored the, the swerver against Rangers. Uh, that helped open the score on, on, on that night when we really needed to beat them and eventually went on to win the league that season so Nakamura was a, a, a great goal scorer in his time and it, a lot of them were obviously free kicks but that one against Rangers was a was a certain uh, certain probably one of the, the, the best goals I've seen in a, a derby match personally because uh, I didn't get to see things like the, the Hendricks Law Open 6-2 game and all such goals as that um, but uh, like I said he was in the first man to wear the 25 in his back for Celtic it was immense logo Miriam Maravchik as well he's got a few there was one game against Livingston um, I think it was Boxing Day um, and I was sitting up in the Jockstein stand in the upper and Livingston just whacked him up in the air and I turned to my dad at the time and said I wouldn't have done that to Lobo he's likely to get up and stick it in the top corner but then sat and watched as Lobo did exactly what I just described and as we're celebrating, the guy in front of me turned around and congratulated me for my big, great prediction. Um, but that's not even my favourite Lubin Maravchik free kick, because the one that probably sticks out in my mind the most uh, came against Mullerwell. Now, Mullerwell came along in a midweek game with absolutely no intention of playing any football, weren't interested in attacking, they'd hoof the ball up the park and leave ten men behind the ball. I love them if you couldn't keep But just never seen a team so negative in all my life, and there was... Billy Davis at the time as a manager uh, in a suit two sizes too big for him and they were doing exactly what he wanted them to do sitting back and every time the ball went out Andy Gorham and goal would take his time time wasting it was ridiculous probably one of the worst I've ever seen and then we got a free kick outside the box about 10 minutes to go one but done we always done stuck it right in the corner I think about even went half the bar and Andy Gorham was utterly raging at it you could see him pack up the ball and throw it back into the net so pissed off he was then we started time wasting it was just hilarious I have no, I don't think I enjoyed a goal against Andy Goro more than that one so that was a belter uh, there, I mean there was another um, when Lobo played like a 70 yard ball um, I think it was halfway up to Eve we were playing and I was sitting up in the, the top tier and I think Lubo and probably anybody that was that had a good overview of the pitch were the only ones that seen this pass. It's about, it must be 70 yards, easy. And he drops it right on Henrik's foot. And Henrik blasts and puts the ball in the net. Terrific goal. A, a, a phenomenal vision of the guy. And the, those two combining was, was a joy to behold at times. And in personal terms, I mean, I've saw Larson score so many goals that were terrific. It's, it's hard to list them all, but the one that will always stick with me is the first equaliser in Seville. I, to this day, have no idea how you swerve a header. But that's that's the measure of the man. I mean, a terrific player in every shape and every meaning in the world. And that was one of the, the great highlights for me, was that, that first equaliser. Second goal wasn't bad to know, but it's a shame we didn't get the result. But the first one was just outstanding. And like I said earlier, there'll be people who will talk about Henry's lob. There'll be people who will talk about other goals. There was one goal that I'm sure Henry Larson took a corner, gave it to Steve Coppery, then got himself in a position. Um take the shot and <laughs> put it in the corner like it was against Dundee wasn't a game it was at but it's another one I remember it's just there's so many Larson goals that you could talk about but the one the one I remember being in person was the one in Seville and of course the one he scored against Tel Aviv I mentioned earlier but yeah was, the, you could go on all day with the number of goals that I've seen that have been outstanding One of the things I always remember um, growing up supporting Celtic was you were always looking for kind of affirmations of greatness because and I, and obviously with the stuff I've done um, in my adult life I think now that comes from having detractors around you um, so often and um, you know you feel like 
like my old man used to always say to me that when we won a, a trophy, we won it against everybody in Scotland. And it takes you a while to kind of get your head around that. And there were so many occasions growing up watching Celtic that were just showered in greatness and it was like it was meant to be and and all that kind of stuff. And one of them um, was uh, 2nd of January 1988 um, against the Huns where we played Dundee United um, on Boxing Day before that and... um, We'd got a last-minute winner, and bear in mind this was the end of 1987, and Dundee United had been in the UEFA Cup final, you know, the May previously and stuff like that, and, and we, Joe Muller, had scored like a, basically like a, a diving heater um, in, in the last minute to win us the game. And the Huns had beat Dundee 2-0 that day, and I remember reading uh, the Sunday Post, I think it was, the next again day, or whatever, you know, depending on what they did, or whatever paper, and I'm sure it was McCoyce and Durant that scored. And the guy who was writing it said something along the lines of, oh, this was so much of a kind of uh, comfort victory for them that, you know, would they be able to stand up to the test at Celtic Park? And I thought, hmm, give me a wee bit of hope. Of course, um, the game itself... Um, was in the backdrop of Celtic centenary year and there was unsavoury events as well regarding Mark Walters which was shameful and there was no excuse for which if it, in effect for people that weren't around at that time <clears throat> the backdrop of this was John Barnes signing for Liverpool and his first game was at Highbury for Liverpool which Liverpool won 2-1 and Barnes was booed by his own fans. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, <clears throat> and then they played Everton and he had bananas thrown at him. And this was seen as funny. There was not a massive media outcry or like you would imagine. It was more of, uh, well, you know, just good-natured banter and all that kind of stuff. And so when... Mark Walters signed for Rangers, it was kind of seen like um, a bit banter to, to throw bananas at him. Matter of fact, Archie McPherson in the commentary, the highlights that night, um, makes light of it and saying that, oh, fruit shops have been delighted with the sales and all that kind of stuff. Horrendous. I mean, absolutely horrendous. And I can even remember, this was swirling about like this was what was going to happen before the game. But I remember my Uncle Francis said to me, don't you ever engage in any of that nonsense or you'll get the back of my hand. And for anybody who knew my Uncle Francis, he didn't need to tell you that twice, you know. So, okay, fine. Um, so that was that was awful. Um, but the game itself was lit up um, by Paul McStay in the first half, who, surrounded by Ray Wilkins, Trevor Francis and Graham Sunas, pirouetted away from them all and split their defence open with an incredible pass right onto the on-rushing Chris Morris, who just simply knocked the ball across the box and Frank McAvenny was there to put the ball in the net. Absolute bedlam. Um second half, you know, we were well on top. Um, and then Chris Woods went off injured. Now, the the backdrop of that, of course, was that he had been sent off in the previous uh, Celtic Rangers game. So he was, you know, it was a weird, and Graham Roberts once again went in goals. And if you remember or you've seen videos... In the 2-2 game previous to that, Graham Roberts had, um, by all intents and purposes, was seen conducting the sash as they were singing after they'd equalised. So there was, you know, that in the mind as he put on the gloves again. Um, And anyway, we get the set piece the ball comes in and there's McAvaney rising above everybody just to knock it past Graham Roberts. And then I just remember this, after everything settled down and there was, you know, bodies lying everywhere and stuff like that, 
the whole Celtic game started singing happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Celtic. And it was just, I mean, for me, 13 gone on 14, it was just absolutely, I can feel the, the, the goosebumps right now thinking about it. And what then happened in typical inimitable Celtic fashion was there was a a stoppage in the game and the jungle started shouting, Grey, I'm Roberts, you're a wanker, you're a wanker. And that was the completion of the revenge. Here's Walker getting a bit of freedom. Um, here is my memory of my favourite Celtic goal. Not necessarily one of the greatest goals that fans will remember for for a class or anything like that, but for significance. Um, February 21st, 2001, my first season as a season ticket holder. Um, Celtic were playing Motherwell. It was a absolutely horrible, turgid midweek game and Motherwell were defending like their lives depended on it. And the late Andy Gorham was in goals for them and having the game of his life. And then the 83rd minute, on comes Lubo, wins a free kick right in front of the goal, which, I, which I'm standing behind in my seat, and uh, steps up and cracks it right into the top corner. Absolutely beautiful goal. Um, the look of sheer rage on Andy Gorham's face as he slammed the ball into the ground after the ball hit the net was just unforgettable. And um, that pretty much set us up for winning the league that season. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, my personal favourite Celtic goal. Another fantastic goal I remember, <clears throat> just for the emotion. And it's uh, the reason that the show is, is titled, why it's titled this particular episode. 1988 Scottish Cup semi-final against Hearts were losing 1-0 to a ridiculous goal um, that was hit in by Brian Whitaker. Dave McPherson assaulted Pat K. Bonner and the goal was allowed to stand. Um, now, this was in our centenary year and it was all roads lead to the double. Well, the road was about to come to a dead end um, with two minutes to go. And we got a corner at the Celtic end of the ground which is absolutely packed I'm right in the centre there uh, about halfway down and um, you can see on the television coverage Roy Aitken shouts at Tommy Burns who's taking the, toma, the corner Tommy and he's basically asking him to get it past the first man which he does the ball breaks loose it comes to Mark McGee who has in front of him nine Hearts players and the goalkeeper. Count them if you want. He shimmies the ball to his right and hits it and somehow manages to get it through the maw, including an especially Mike Gallery on the line who goes right through his legs. Cue absolute bedlam. Archie McPherson's commentary that day was they can't get it in. It's gone in. Mark McGee. Absolute pandemonium. So it's one all. We're into the 89th minute. And Paul McStay tells the story of... Uh, okay, we didn't really want a replay, but we'll settle for it, given the circumstances. Celtic got a free kick on the halfway line and he hears his voice behind him. Come on, we can do it. It was, of course, the bear, Roy Aitken. And we did do it. And Andy Walker scored the winner. And grown men were crying all around. And I always, always remember walking out that ground 
and just hearing the immortal, just to think this is one of the greatest days of your life, can it get any better? Aye, a guy sees me, by the way, Morton beat Rangers 3-2 today. For Hearts, putting John Robertson with only Cahoon left upfield, right Aiken right on the line there, I think he wants a near post one, Henry Smith is up, he can't get it in, it's gone in, Mark McGee has equalised for Celtic, only three minutes remaining, the goalkeeper committed himself,
The first one I'll go for is, um, which a goal I think is underestimated somewhat um, in the centenary season, which uh, maybe I'm biased, but to me it's still the most magical season and it's my best memories of watching Celtic or the centenary season. Um, but it's Joe Miller's goal at Tannadice in Boxing Day 1987. Uh, one each, one of the dying embers of the game. Uh, and a diving header but Joe Miller at the back post I vividly remember it and I think my reasoning for holding this in such high esteem is because the previous season which looked like an unassailable lead bearing in mind it was only two points for a win back then um, the previous season 86-87 nine points ahead going into the December period we lost a midweek game to Hearts at Tynecastle. I'm sure it was Gary Mackay that scored. We lost 1-0. And all of a sudden, the doubt, I mean, even then we were well ahead, so we were still in a comfortable position. But all of a sudden, I think we drew three games in a row in December uh, against Motherwell, Clyde Bank, eh, Motherwell, Aberdeen, then Clyde Bank. And obviously, the festive like, lost the New Year game at Rangers at Ibrox. And all of a sudden, like, we basically chucked the lead away and it was nip and tuck then and obviously they went on to Pippa's in the line kind of thing in the 80, uh, 1987 so the December 87 and the centenary year it was going I don't know if you remember it was going kind of similarly to that I mean we had drawn with Aberdeen well Hearts at, Tynca, uh, Hearts at Park had a, like a sensational game to each draw we clawed it back to each um, but we'd drawn against Aberdeen at home the week later so we're up at Tannadice, one each into the dying embers of the game. You think, oh my God, this season it's going the exact same as last season. Um, and up Bob Joe Miller at that back post. Uh, and I, I remember vividly walking up the stairs. Like it was behind the nets always. For some reason, I, I know everybody's on about the steep terrace, uh, Sandyman Street side of Tannadice, but I always preferred behind the nets for some reason at Tannadice. It was just small terrace and just packed in. And... Uh, I mean, it was up the other end where Joe Miller scored that day. Um, but I, I remember walking up that terrace and just thinking, oh, Boxing Day, like, supposedly should be in high spirits. The bus was jumping on the way up every day in high spirits. And you're like, oh, here we go. This is, like, just panning out like last season. And walking up towards just the back of the terrace and um, when Joe Miller's header hit the net and just at her bedroom. Um, and, of course the festive period that continued with a fantastic uh, New Year game uh, set in a January happy birthday Celtic Marcus double uh, so I, I, that's a fantastic memory for me um, and also going now like, like then to Keane like when Keane came along then started going to games and he got more and more into it and his first away game Tyne Castle uh, December 2017 um, and he was only he was only six then, and looking back now, it probably wasn't the best of away games to start with. Just like the hatred in Tynecastle, and of course couldn't get the worst worst tickets possible. Right down at the Whitburn, like right next to the corner flag, right for like just pure abuse the whole time, and just we're getting abuse back. And Keane's right in the hickey, he's greeting when the ball hit the net. Hearts first goal, he's greeting. Um, we now into the concourse and. Like he's wanting to go home at this point and I'm trying to calm him down calm him down saying no no this is Celtic we'll come back and there's boys going to the toilet and everything saying look you man we'll be fine next thing you hear another roller and hearts have fucking scored again uh, so this thing makes hysterical but I managed to coax him back in uh, and later on my phone's going like anything and it turns out the sky camera is beamed right in it is and uh, Crocker and Andy Walker actually uh, the wee mention I like Keen like cause he was like he looked dejected so uh, that, that was his first away game but his next away game was Dundee at Dens Park uh, we were comfortable in the league we were 8 points clear um, but with Shank Rangers had drawn I can't remember home to St Johnson or something the previous day so we had a chance to go 10 points clear basically wrap the title up Dens Park um, and again I'm thinking Keane I just wanted to see a way and a way victory and it's terrible game at Dens like just Celtic just nothing happening nothing each draw nil nil draw just think here we go again like long trip home and he's not going to be happy and so of course just nothing just didn't look would ever score 
I think six minutes injury time uh, held up. So like, the game goes over, obviously, and you know what happened next. Like five, I think five and a half minutes injury time, then injury time. But we won two. Somebody played Joe Miller. Eh, Joe Miller, eh, James Forrest. So James Forrest, and he, he cuts it back. Edward, and he could, it happened in slow motion. You could see this is a certain goal, but it just. The game actually in your head you felt as if the game was already finished and it dropped. It was just it was weird. And then that hits the net and it's just uh, again utter bedlam and the joy in Keane's face and just the journey home and just the just the happiness that uh, goals like that just bring. Um, amazing. Um, but I hope that uh, suits for now, mate. And um, all the best, pal. I'll catch up. Soon. I have realised by now that this subject in particular is something that could probably take up a 10-hour podcast. Um, and I've tried to think about goals that are really significant, in my opinion. Not necessarily last-minute winners or league clinchers or whatever, but just things that you just felt were part of a bigger picture. And one of them... Definitely was uh, Jackie McNamara's first goal for Celtic um, Easter Road. For me, that was the birth of the modern day Celtic that day. You know, anybody who lived through the nineties, early nineties, and um, will know the misery and the torture we went through. And um, winning the Scottish Cup against Airdrie started to lift that gloom. It was a massive ter- relief to win that day. But the following season is when we really started to click into gear. And everybody knows that team, the Tommy Burns team, 95-96, was a great Celtic team that played wonderful football. Um, and none more so than um, that day Easter Road. Um, it was a great team goal, um, Jackie's goal that day. Uh, an absolutely brilliant pass for Simon Donnelly. He's a good friend. And, you know, for him to just wait till it came over his shoulder and take it. And I know it meant a lot to Jackie because Hibs had released him um, as a kid for being too small. So to score his first Celtic goal really, really meant a lot to him. Um, And for me as well, it, it was just, you know... It kicked on to a 4-0 victory that day and it was like, even though it was a dull, grey, rainy December day, it was like a cloud lifted off Celtic. Um, and Tommy Burns had put his imprint on the club again through young, vibrant, hungry players. And it was just a magical moment. Jackie McNamara, Van Hoidonk. Donnelly, it's a good play by Celtic, McNamara, what a goal by Celtic, and Jackie McNamara, 11 minutes gone, and McNamara opens his Celtic account with great style, it was great support running by him, superb build up by Celtic, they showed a lot of patience, Simon Donnelly clipped it through, and then the first time effort from McNamara, over Jim Layton, Hibernian nil, Celtic won, and another goal that was very similar and equally significant and scored again by Jackie McNamara was against Liverpool at Celtic Park in 1997. Now, I actually asked Jackie which one of the two did he feel was the better one and he, in his own inimitable style said, oh, it's hard to say. <laughs> um, and it is really quite it's, it's surreal, actually, how similar they are in terms of the kind of goals they are and the significance when I talked about the one at Easter Road being like a cloud lifting the one against Liverpool at Celtic Park was like the the arrival of Celtic back on the big stage after leaving it for a number of years you know we're playing Liverpool, it was a really really good Liverpool side you know it's one of the things where you want to be back in the big time, but you similarly think, oh, Christ, we could get gubbed here. And then Michael Owen, who would go and set fire to the World Cup the following year, scores an absolutely phenomenal goal under three minutes, and you're gone. This could be a long night. And um, 
but we gradually got into it. We started to string a few passes together, a few chances, um, and then second half, Jackie hits that volley into the net, and it's the noise at Celtic Park was unbelievable. Not even a completed Celtic Park, and that was like. I just felt like that's what that was us arriving back on the big stage. I think the game was on Channel Five actually. I might be wrong about that, but it was definitely definitely on something like that. I think it might have been. Um and it was just bedlam, absolute bedlam, you know, because here we were on the big stage against a really big team and a great club and we'd scored the goal, you know. Um, people had watched again the misery of the nineties. The eruption at Celtic Park was just absolutely phenomenal. And if Jackie actually tells me which one he thinks better, I will let you know. He takes on Bjornevi. Good play, and Burley gives it back to McNamara. Absolutely crucial goal um, that I'll always remember. Uh, it was in April 1998. And it was scored by my good friend, Mr Donnelly. Um, people uh, at that time, they were supporting Celtic, remember, the, you know, the incredible tension around that season in 97, 98 and the pressure that was on us. And um, we'd kind of... Faltered a wee bit in March, a couple of home draws to Hibs and Hearts, which were rubbish. And um, we'd lost the semi-final of the Cup to the Huns and we went down to Kilmarnock, knowing that we absolutely had to win. We just had to, had to win. And people that were around at that time will remember that Kilmarnock was a bit of a, a graveyard rugby park for us. Um, you know, there's so many times you'd been denied down there, nil-nil draws and whatever it felt like forever. Um, so we went down there, a midweek game, it's pouring rain, um, horrible conditions, we go one now up, uh, great heater for Henrik, um, we're playing them off the park and then five minutes to, uh, before the half-time whistle they equalised and you just thought, oh no, no again, you know, a second half, I remember Phil O'Donnell running through and thinking he scored and Gordon Marshall saved it. And you're thinking, it's got to be one of these nights again. We've got to blow it. And then the ball broke to Simon Donnelly and he just coolly dinked it over Marshall and into the net. And as he ran, I was standing right there as he ran to the Celtic um, end, um, which would have been the Chadwick stand then. Or... And all the bumblebees came behind them, you know, in the strips. And it was just absolutely phenomenal. And it is the goal he regards as his best ever for Celtic. Um, just because of the importance of it. Because when I look at look back on it now, given the, the climate around the time and the draws and defeats that were happening, if we hadn't won that night, I don't think we would have won the league. I really don't. I think the, the pressure would have got to us. So it was such an important goal. And one that I'll always remember. The Henrik goal, the Henrik goal, the Henrik goal. Yes, we remember it well for the 6 2 game and all that entailed. But I want to take you back just a wee bit <coughs> further. The Paul Lambert goal that day. Now, Paul had already scored a screamer against them in 1998, as we remember well, the 2nd of January. But the goal he scored against them that day, the third goal, 
I had a real eagle eye view of because I was kind of behind that goal where it went in and saw the build up and the anticipation of Lubo cutting it back and just rolling it back across to him and watching Lambert run in pace by pace and just smack it past Kloss into the net to put us 3-0 up after, what, 12, 15 minutes. I can honestly say that the words that went through my head as that ball hit the net was, I just looked up at the sky and said, take me now, it can never get any better than this. Looking to my left and seeing the Huns' faces as the third one smashed into their net was absolutely incredible. They just, the the ashen face kind of exterior of these people who 15, 20 minutes before that had come in full of themselves, you know? Giving it the big one, left, right and centre and yahoo this and yahoo that to then realise that they were witnessing the beginning of the end of their football club actually, if you think about it. Was absolutely unbelievable, you know. They say you can get bliss for different things. The first sexual experience, the first classy narcotic, the first time you see the Grand Canyon or climb Ben Nevis. For me, that was bliss on tap, right there, ringside seat, and I'll never forget it. The Nakamura goal against Manchester United remains um, probably my highlight of watching Celtic games at Celtic Park. Um, just because of the occasion, just because of how good Manchester United were and going to win the Champions League um, about 18 months later, <coughs> and also for the personal reasons that some I was aware of and some I wasn't aware of until I got to the game. At the time, I used to sit um, with my son James at the in the main stand, FS6, and... Um, for reasons best known to themselves, Celtic decided to give one section of that to Man United. Apparently it was under the auspices of their corporate people, but in reality what it was was their hooligan firm. And so you're completely unaware of this until you get into the ground and then you're kind of like, what's going on here? Because there was no segregation, there was no, they were using the same toilets and stuff like that and you're thinking... This is absolute madness. So I was kind of, you know, hyped up for the game and, um, you know, ready to do or die kind of thing, as you always are with Champions League games. And I was getting more and more angry with their kind of antics and behaviour. They were trying to take the piss and I was giving it back, basically. So, anyway, I'm sitting there and uh, this guy taps me on the shoulder and he says, and I look, because we were in the back row, and I'm like, or tapped me on the back, actually, on the shoulder. And he went, do you realise that one of them just punched you? And I was like, eh? Just never even, because, you know, I, anybody that's been in a game knows I'm always kind of laser-focused on the game. I'm not really into fucking chit-chat and all the rest of it when the game's going on, especially such a game like that. Anyway, what had happened was somebody had actually punched me on the back, like a Man United guy, as he was going to the toilet, because I was giving it back to him. But I never even felt it. That's that's the absolute truth. So, anyway, the game goes on. And the backdrop with this for me was I was actually emigrating to America on a Thursday. So this was, you know, colossal for me. You know, my house at the time, all my stuff had been packed away, put in storage. I'd basically left a bed there to sleep on for the couple of days. Because um, you probably know by now, I've no mates to stay with. So... Um, this was something that I was going to take over to New York with. And um, when Nakamura 
scored, it was like, you know, the euphoric explosion was just absolutely unbelievable. And the Man United folk beside us, they could not believe it. They could not believe that they'd went a goal down. And um, of course it was almost taken away from us by a ridiculous penalty given, which is one of them where nobody knows what's happening and the next thing the referee's like, no, 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 it's a penalty. Like, for fuck's sake. And then, of course, Sa's penalty was saved by Boric, which was equally as brilliant as the Jack and Moore goal, I have to say. And um, I'd gone over to New York on the Thursday, which was actually Thanksgiving on, in New York, because yeah, it was 21st of November, 2006, I think it was 23rd, I went over. And my friend who was putting me up initially, Gary Haley, was telling me that he had watched um, this game in Connolly's Bar in West 54th Street, which would end up having a major involvement in, but that's another story. And he was, you know, rapping with the barman and all that kind of thing, an Irish guy called Trevor. And they're watching the game and they're going on about how good it was and all that kind of thing. And then when, of course, Nakamura scored, Gary goes berserk. And that's the first time that Trevor, the barman, realised that he was actually a Celtic supporter. And Trevor's a big Man United fan, so... Um, a lot of personal things attached to that game, but something that will always live with me um, in my life until I can remember, you know. Hello, Paul. Hello, everybody. Uh, and still are the Thames listeners. My apology again, Paul, for getting that wrong last week. <laughs> um, Faye Moran here from Dublin. Uh, greetings, everybody. So, um, yeah, goals that's memorable goals for Celtic have scored. Um, I've gone for five, if you may indulge me, um, and probably I'm sure we all rightly uh, laud the, the Henry Garson chip and uh, Chris Hutton against Juve, the volley, and so many great goals over the years that we've seen time and time again and we never get tired of seeing but um, I've just picked five of my own for various reasons which I hope I, I can explain adequately in the time uh, allowed um, in chronological order uh, in 1981 and topical actually as well in 1981 I made my first trip to Celtic Park uh, for my 15th birthday um, my dad brought me and my brother tagged along as well uh, it was Celtic against Juventus in the European Cup, my first visit, as I say, to Celtic Park. And, um, yeah, I just, the whole atmosphere that night, full house on the European night, Liam Brady was playing for Juve, that great Juventus team, uh, with several of that team went on to win the World Cup with Italy um, ten months later. So, for Celtic to win on a European night against Juve was brilliant, um, and the only goal of the game, scored with Murdoch McLeod in the second half. Um, so... That goal means a lot to me. It was, my, as I say, my first game in Celtic Park and for Murdoch to score and from to beat Juve was, was fantastic and the atmosphere and Tommy Bourne's performance as well was uh, memorable. But Murdoch McLeod's goal is my first one um, against Juve in 81. My second one would have to be McIverney's Cup final winner in the centenary season uh, when it looked like we were going to blow the double and we scored those two late goals and McIverney's goal from point-blank range was... Uh, you know, again, we didn't see it live here in Ireland, but um, we just saw the highlights after the, the English Cup final and just for for Celtic to win the double in the centenary year and uh, three Irish lads, Packy Bonner, Chris Morris and, uh, and Mick McCarthy in the team as well. Um, only made made it even more special. But McAvenny would be my second goal. My third goal would be 2006, 21st of November. Uh, it was my dad's 73rd birthday. Um, I was in Celtic Park that night when we played Man United in the Champions League and that unbelievably wonderful free kick from Nakamura um, about 10 minutes from the end. I'll never forget that moment. Um, so I had my dad there on his birthday. Um, it was extra special about Nakamura's free kick. You know, you just, you never tired of seeing that one. It was fantastic. So that's my third goal. Nakamura against United. Um, my fourth one, 2008, April 2008, um, when it looked for all the world like the Huns were going to take the title and they were playing in Europe and uh, moaning as usual about their fixture pile-up but we had beaten the Huns, as we remember 3-2 uh, a couple of weeks before when Scott McDonald scored twice but 
the key game in that one for me of reining them in for the title was um, the 2-1 when Naka scored another unbelievable goal but it's actually the winning goal is made uh, is makes the cut here because of my reaction to it the, the injury time goal the header at the at the back stick from uh, from Big Jan um, wonderful from McDonald headed it across the, the goal mount and finally um, 2017 April Lustig in the 5-1 at Ibrox against the Huns brilliant individual goal rubbed the Huns noses in it magic thanks folks Nemanja Vidic did not approve Celtic know that in Nakamura they have one of the best in the business when it comes to direct free kicks Van der Sar, a man who does his homework knows all about that of course he knows all about that from the last meeting of the two sides on match day one at Old Trafford here is Shunsuke Nakamura exquisite The Scottish champions in front against Manchester United. This was special. Nakamura getting it to dip right at the end of its flight. And Edwin van der Sar didn't have an earthly. Now that could be uncharted territory for Celtic. A real chance for Gordon Strachan's side to progress beyond the group stage for the very first time now look I've seen a lot of fantastic goals amazing goals in my 70 odd years I've gone to see the Celtic I there's so many so many but I think you know when I was trying to think of a lot of goals there was quite a few but the one against Forge Vadina which I always say was one of the best games I've ever seen. I was halfway up the pylons in the Celtic end on a foggy night in Celtic Park. Well, I swear to this day, when Charlie Gallagher went up to take that corner kick, it was foggy. We could hardly see up to the Rangers end where that ball went in. And as Charlie ran up to kick a ball and I, I don't know, but honestly feel as if like I was up that piling, quite high up the piling. The silence was deafening. And I swear to this day you could hear him hitting the ball. And as it came out, McNeil rising and heating in the net. There was just a couple of seconds of split silence because of fog and where we are, did we know it was a goal? But you could swear, and I swear to this day, you, it was that silent because we didn't know. You could probably hear the ball rippling down the back of the net, you know, as it hits the net. And then mayhem. Absolute, unadulterated mayhem. I flew off of the what do you call it, the piling for the floodlights were. And there was bodies everywhere. I mean, they, they were piled high. That goal was something else. And I always say that game and that goal was the game that I knew we were going to win the European Cup. See, when you listen to all that, and when it all comes down to it, that's what this game's all about. Goals. You know, we've we witnessed great saves and penalty saves and tackles and passes. But goals is what it's all about. Goals is where you get your jollies. Goals are what you remember. Goals are the thing that um, make it all worthwhile. You know, I, I realised a long time ago that something happened to my brain when Celtic scored the goal. No jokes, please. And... I could never remember what had happened in the lead-up to it. I think my brain just probably has a chemical imbalance that corrected itself when Celtic scored a goal. 
and takes away all previous memory. And I used to marvel that these people would come in at school and be able to describe, you know, photographically what had happened in the, before they'd seen it on the telly or anything like that. But my mind would just explode and I'd have no recollection. Matter of fact, I was talking to a friend of the podcast, Jamie O'Neill, about the goal we scored at Ibrox in 1988 when Anton Rogan headed it down and it came off Andy Walker's chest. Now, to my... Um, 13 year old eyes from the main stand that day Anton Rogan scored that goal because I seen him heed the ball and the next thing it was in the net and the next thing would exploded and then one of these guys I remember the guy had permed hair dark glasses and a kind of student look about him said no it was Andy Walker it was Andy Walker and I remember just thinking who fucking cares we've just scored a winner at Ibrox like you know and that's what it is it's what makes it all worthwhile all the misery and the crap and the corporate piss you put up with in football, it's all worth it. Or it's all made worthwhile with the, when Celtic ripple that football net. Dark team in Scotland.